Hey guys, I'm back with another episode of Dynasty After Dark. My name is Calvin Timms. I'm the host of this podcast. You can find me over on Twitter at DTC underscore Calvin on the Dynasty After Dark Facebook page or on Instagram. And thank you for joining me this week. And I am finally back after taking last week off. I found out that, and if you guys don't follow me on Twitter, I put this out on Twitter, but I thought I was growing a fifth wisdom tooth last week. And turns out that I was just incorrect and they never removed my top two wisdom teeth. So one of them started growing in last week and it was causing me quite a bit of pain in my mouth and it hurt to talk quite a bit. So I took last week off. Um, so hopefully you guys didn't miss podcast too much, but I'm back here in week four recapping that. And the nice thing with taking some time off from the podcast, it did let me think about how I kind of want to direct the in-season direction of this podcast. And one thing that I've been thinking about with the first two weeks that I did with the recaps was I wasn't too happy with the way that everything was structured. So what I mean by that is I don't think it's the most effective way to kind of give you guys the information. I'm basically just taking every single team and just dumping all the players on you. Who's a buy, who's a sell, things like that. And it's just a lot of information and it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of opinion, right? It's all my personal opinion and I'm not perfect. I'm not going to make the right calls every single guy on every single week. So, um, I don't like doing that as much. So what I'm going to be doing going forward is just kind of touching on each game, a little bit of the themes from each game, and then maybe one or two guys that I think are, uh, interesting, either risers or fallers. And for specific reasons on each one of those guys, instead of doing a full team comprehensive touch on these guys, but just wanted to let you guys know that I have been kind of thinking about that a little bit and I am finally ready to get back to the podcast after taking last week off. Mouth still hurts quite a bit, but yeah, man, I did. I totally thought they removed my two wisdom teeth on the top a few years ago. They put me under and everything. So maybe I was just groggy from all the, uh, the uh, laughing gas that they gave me or the uh, anesthetic, I guess, but uh, nope, I was wrong. So, um, welcome back. Hope you guys have been having a good couple weeks. You know, it's been a crazy couple weeks. Uh, one thing I've noticed with every single week of the NFL so far is there's kind of a theme to each one of the weeks. Week one was football's back. You know, here it is. We're super excited. Let's go. Just ready to roll with football. Week two was the week of the injuries where literally every superstar just got injured. Um, all your big name players got injured. Everyone was just hurt at the end of the week and you're just praying that you made it out of week two alive. Week number three, which I didn't cover here with the podcast, but the theme of week three was the theme of the backups. You know, pretty much everyone I know's bench just went off in week three, which stinks because you want to get those points on your active roster, but hopefully you managed to survive so far. And week four, the theme so far has kind of been who is the most adaptable uh, league managers in each one of your leagues. And because of the COVID positive cases that kind of broke out in week four with the Tennessee Titans, uh, Cam Newton, it was all about who could make those adjustments on the fly. And there's a lot of late minute, last minute injuries. Uh, there's things like that, that just really tested people and their ability to manage their rosters on the fly. And that is what a 
good dynasty owner is really looking to do. When you're a good manager and your team is, that's why I always like to say I have really deep teams because in a situation like this, it doesn't impact me too much and it really lets the good dynasty manager shine because you're prepared for something like this and you can make those good decisions on the fly. And this is where you kind of really get an edge over your league mates. And that's why I really kind of like week four, even though I know it was kind of stressful for most people out there just because you don't know if teams are going to play or whatnot. But I mean, shoot, I did some uh, gambling on FanDuel this last weekend and um, just because I had some extra cash on there and I took a risk on a bunch of uh Kansas City players in a draft style where you're drafting against other people for the week, right? Um, missed that site. It was a great site. But with FanDuel, I did that, and I took a risk on some of the uh, Kansas City players like Clyde, uh, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, things like that, and managed to win quite a bit of money this week just because people were not willing to take those risks on those players. So, I mean... Yeah, if you can make those adjustments on the fly, it was a really good week for you. And yeah, it was a lot of fun too. So just to kind of recap with you guys what's been going on in my life. I, like I said, I had the uh, the fifth wisdom tooth, which is actually just a regular wisdom tooth growing in last week. And in addition to that, my wife is finally about ready to switch her job to a firm in Ohio. She's going through the whole, this is her last week, going through the whole process of getting ready to go to a new job next week and everything. And with that, it's about 45 minutes away. So we actually went through the process of buying a lot of land in Ohio and we're going through the closing on that. So we're going to have a two acre property and we've never built a house before, but we're going through designing a house and getting this land and getting the financing and all this craziness. And it's just literally just so many things just literally out of nowhere, it feels like that just popped up and it's been a crazy couple of weeks for me, but man, it's been a lot of fun too. A lot of stress, you know, but at least I have some football this time of year to kind of kick back on the weekends and enjoy it a little bit. But yeah, and then the other thing what we're trying to do is sell our house on top of all this. So building a new house, buying a lot, selling our house, watching football, breaking it down, analyzing it, work, everything on top of it, maintenance on the house, you know, because we haven't sold it yet, so you got to keep it going. It's just been, man, a nonstop roller coaster for a couple weeks here. But yeah, one way to keep you busy, I guess. But that's been me. Let me know what, on Twitter what you guys have been up to the last couple weeks. Haven't had a chance to talk to a lot of you guys. But yeah, I hope you guys have been having a good couple weeks. I am now officially 20-8 and eight in my seven leagues. I've gone 5-2 and two four straight weeks, which is a trend that I like to see continue you know, it's really feels good when you're winning most of your leagues every single week. So hopefully you guys are having some success as well. But like I said, let me know over on Twitter and just hit me up. Um, still taking questions, things like that over there. And I appreciate you guys coming back to the podcast. And thank you so much for sticking with me, even though I took last week off. Now, like I said, we're going to go through a little bit of a different approach with this week's episode. Hopefully it'll be a little bit quicker too, because I don't really like dragging it out that much. And I don't like kind of just dumping all this information on you because it's hard to process it all when you're kind of driving or, or just listening to all these numbers and, and things like that. And my opinion on who's a buy and who's a sell. But uh, week four is the best week in football because the first couple weeks, 
one, you got all the injuries. Two, you got the unknown of the schemes and the uh, just unknown usage of these players in the early seasons. And by week four, we kind of start getting trends. And this is why I like week four a lot, because you can kind of see how people are going to be used with their teams. A lot of the injuries are out of the way. I mean, there's going to be injuries popping up nonstop all year, but you kind of see who's going to be able to battle through some of that stuff and who's going to be hindered by it all season long. And I'm looking at you, Julio, and Calvin Ridley for that, but I really like to kind of see the trends of these players as time goes on. And we're going to start with the Denver Broncos versus New York Jets game. That was the Thursday night game. And this game was an utter shit show from start to end. You know, both teams, I mean, the Denver passing offense, they're starting uh, Brett Rippian. They don't have Drew Locke. They signed uh, Blake Bortles to their team last week, just hoping to maybe get a start out of him, but he didn't make any plays in this game. And I mean, it was just a mess on the offense. Melvin Gordon looked really, really good, which is good to see. And that's one of the trends that I want to point out here. And with the Denver side of things, Melvin Gordon is going to be a stud. I predicted this going into the season, and this one thing that I'm happy to take a little bit of a victory lap on, they paid him a lot of money. They improved their offensive line, and they really want to lean more on Melvin Gordon. And Pat Shermer, their offensive coordinator, is going to make Melvin Gordon look just fine. So one thing I do want to take away from this and compare Melvin Gordon to someone like Todd Gurley. Melvin Gordon, I think, is set up for the short term better than Todd Gurley, even though Philip Lindsay's coming back this week, most likely. That's the reports that they're saying. But Melvin Gordon, even with the competition of Philip Lindsay compared to someone like Todd Gurley, who has the backfield air quote by himself, even though they're using Brian Hill quite a bit with that team. Melvin Gordon is just going to be more fantasy viable because I think Todd Gurley is completely washed. So one takeaway from this, Melvin Gordon, he's a stud. Go get him if you need a running back because I think people are willing to move on from Melvin Gordon due to the age and kind of the up and down nature of his usage this year so far. And with the risk of Philip Lindsay coming back, he's someone that I'm looking to buy if I'm a contender, just because I think that he's going to be more valuable than people give him credit for. And you can probably get him a little bit cheaper because of his age and things like that. And it'll help you win just fine. So um, that's one thing. The, the second kind of key takeaway from this team is they really need a good quarterback to make this team successful. And I know that's kind of like an obvious statement, right? Oh, you need a good quarterback to have a good team. But even a mediocre quarterback isn't going to help them. They really are putting a lot of chips in the Drew Lock basket. He might be back this week. I really doubt it. They're playing the Patriots in week five. So I'm predict I'm predicting that he'll be back in week six. And that's when we'll see Drew Lock kind of come back and we'll see what he can do. We didn't really get a good sample size of Drew Lock. So that's the other thing is we maybe with Drew Lock back, <laughs> we'll see something from these weapons. But right now, none of these guys, except for maybe Noah Fant, are really enticing for fantasy. Um, long term, I mean, Jerry Judy, even Tim Patrick, um, Cortland Sutton, these guys, they're very, very interesting, but I mean, you're just waiting until they get that quarterback play. So until they get that step up in that position, 
It's just going to be a little bit of a waiting game for some of these guys. No fan, I think, is the only one that's kind of set, locked, and loaded because he's a tight end, and it's such a nightmare landscape out there for tight ends. So um, the rest of those guys, Jerry Judy, he's going to be good. But, yeah, that's, that's the main takeaways from the Denver side. The New York side of things, oh, my goodness. I don't know how Adam Case hasn't been fired yet at this point. I'm recording on a Tuesday evening, but, man, that team is just so pathetic. I mean, it just has no spark whatsoever. The defense looks like trash. I mean, I don't know what they're doing anymore. There's no positives from this team whatsoever. Frank Gore being their number one running back. I mean, I get it. The guy is a tank. He's infinite. He's everything. He's Gore. But goodness gracious, what are you getting from Frank Gore that you couldn't get from an undrafted free agent off the street at this point? I mean, Maybe some pass blocking, but he just doesn't have anything left, and he's kind of a detriment to this team. Darnold, he is not even going to get a chance because this team just has so many holes just all across the roster that Darnold's not going to have an actual chance to show anything for a long time, and they need to make a decision on Sam Darnold this year. I'm, I would not be shocked if they try to trade Sam Darnold this offseason. So if you own Sam Darnold, I would just hold him at this point, but if you can find someone that you can sell him and offload him to, think about it. But the other guy I want to mention as just a stud for this team, and that's Jamison Crowder. I kind of predicted this going in, but if you're in a full PPR league, oh my goodness, Jamison Crowder, week in and week out, if he's healthy, he's just going to be so good for fantasy just because he makes so much separation on the field, and it's just He's the best player on this team by far. And I kind of feel bad for Jameson Crowder because he went from Washington to the Jets, but at the same time, he chose that life. And it is not a pretty life to live. So um, I'm interested to see what happens when Denzel Mim starts getting involved in this offense. He should be coming off IR soon, hopefully. But please fire Adam Gase. Just get rid of him. We need to eject him. Come on. It's past time. And the other guy I want to do touch on real quick is Chris Herndon. He was the only other player that I was kind of interested for, for dynasty long-term, but man, I just, I'm, I'm cutting ties on Chris Herndon. Literally the only player I want to own from the Jets is just Jamison Crowder and that, and maybe Denzel Mims. That's it. But we haven't seen anything from Mims. And like I said, it's going to be a roller coaster for these players for a long time to come. So take what you will from that, but Jets are a poverty franchise for a reason. They're just, they haven't been good for so long. And there is a very, very clear reason why that is at this point. So just rolling on to the next game, Jacksonville versus Cincinnati. Uh, This game was a little bit more interesting. I mean, neither one of these teams are really heavy hitters in terms of playoff contenders. And talking about real quick, (laughs) a little bit of a segue here, but the Craziest thing that I've seen so far this year, through four weeks, we currently have six undefeated teams and four winless teams, which is kind of the craziest distribution of wins I've ever seen in a season. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it happened during a uh, pandemic season where the best coaches seem to be doing better and the worst coaches are just completely inept. And I'll touch on the Bill O'Brien firing when I get to the Texans game, but I mean, it's just... Very, very interesting to me that 
the best the guys that are considered the best coaches in the NFL are doing very very well and if your roster is even slightly loaded you know they're doing extremely well for themselves and then the worst coaches in the NFL are not doing well so I just thought the distribution with six undefeated teams at this point in the season four weeks in is just crazy to me and then four teams with no wins at all I mean, it's shocking to me. Normally, you see maybe one, maybe two at this point, but four of them, man, this is a a wild season so far. But um, back to the game, Jacksonville versus Cincinnati. Joe Burrow is legit. This guy is a stud. And Joe Mixon, I I don't know what to think about Joe Mixon. To me, he's a sell-high candidate, but he's also kind of a hold. I mean, this is what we've been waiting on for Joe Mixon forever. And he finally shows it in a game after everyone had basically kind of given up hope. But it's tough to say, like, he finally was being used in the passing game, which is where he's so good. But he was very, very good on the ground as well. I mean, 25 carries for 151 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he was just running all over this Jacksonville defense. So I wouldn't blame anyone for trying to get off the Joe Mixon ride at this point. You might be able to sell him for a pretty penny right now, but uh, he's someone that is very, very tough to kind of judge. And the other player that's very interesting for Dynasty that you're kind of losing your chance to buy him is T. Higgins. I think this kid is the real deal, with, especially with Joe Burrow. I think that those two are going to have a really nice connection for years to come. I mean, he's looking very, very good as a rookie. Uh, he's averaging, I mean, about 20 yards a catch almost. He's just doing very, very well so far this year. So he's someone that he hasn't had those super flashy dynasty games yet, fantasy games yet, but his window is starting to close pretty rapidly. So if you're interested, go get him while you can. On the other side of things, Gardner Minshew, he had an okay stat line. The problem with this game is just that Gardner Minshew is a decent quarterback. He's not the best quarterback, but he's not a terrible quarterback by any means. I know that he has these flashes where he shows he can be an elite quarterback. He's really, (laughs) the funny thing is he's very much like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, like almost to the T. They've got the same kind of uh, personality type, the same kind of like flashy showmanship on the field, the confidence when they do well, even when they do poorly they just don't really care they let it roll right off him so he really is kind of like uh Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0 and I love it I love watching Fitzpatrick play the game so um there's that piece of things but Gardner Minshew I think he's going to be around for a long time to come as a quarterback again from a dynasty standpoint that might not be too bad but he's going to have weeks where he disappoints now a couple guys, James Robinson, he is, I think, also the real deal, at least for 2019, or sorry, for 2020, he is going to be the real deal. If you need a running back, people are very, very skeptical about James Robinson. Go get him if you want to contend this year, because you can probably get him fairly cheap. I don't know. It's really kind of varied what I see on Twitter and things like that, but Some people are charging multiple firsts for James Robinson. Some people are giving him away for a second. So it's really tough to say for your league what it's going to cost to get this guy. But if you need a guy for 2020 only, Robinson is the guy you want to own because he's not going to have really any competition this year. And he really doesn't have a future with the team either because I would not be shocked if in 2021 they signed someone like Najee Harris 
Travis Etienne, Chubba Hubbard, somebody like that, and who is just a better overall prospect. But James Robinson right now is kind of taking the Chris Carson route to fantasy where everyone thought that Chris Carson was a abomination and a blip in the system. He was going to be replaced after one year. You know, he showed those flashes and then, oh, that, that was just a fluke. And then he did it again and then he did it again. And now Chris Carson has gotten the respect that he deserves, right? James Robinson could very easily be that guy. It would not shock me at this point, just based on how he looks on the field. He looks really good, but sometimes these GMs get too cute for their own good and they try and replace these guys even when they don't need to. So just keep that in mind. Um, There might be long-term value with Robinson, but at least in 2020, the dude will be a stud. And same thing I can say about uh, LaVisca Chenault. The biggest thing you got to be careful about with Chenault, I know he's getting very popular, but just keep in the back of your mind, the dude is very injury prone. He was injured a lot in college. That was his biggest flaw coming into the NFL was his injury designation. So just keep that in mind. I really like the talent of the kid. He has the potential to be like the next Julio. I know it's like a crazy pedestal to put him on, but he really does have that upside of being Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, like those top five guys. He could get there, especially with uh, Jay Gruden as his OC and potentially head coach after Doug Marone, but we'll see about that. (laughs) But he is extremely talented, but he's just very, very injury prone as well. So another guy who's, Buy window is getting smaller and smaller every single week, but you might be disappointed if he gets injured as soon as you buy him. So just want to put that out there. I'm not predicting it. I'm not hoping for it by any means, but just want to let you guys know because sometimes when you get this far into a season, you kind of forget about the negatives for certain things. Like one of the weird things about fantasy is that everything that happens just feels like it's always going to happen. You know, if you start off the season 4-0, but then you lose three straight, right? So now you're 4-3. You're still above 500. You're doing just fine, right? But it feels like you're never going to win again, right? Or if you start the season 0-4, it just feels like you're never going to get that first win. But in reality, it's a flip of a coin, you know? We're trying to give you the best analysis, but half the time, all it takes is one busted play, for a guy to get a touchdown on a 50-yard run and you lose the week or you win the week, right? So people give up hope way too quickly when it comes to fantasy football. You got to stay, like I said a couple weeks ago, stay with the fundamentals of fantasy. Make sure you're watching the waiver wires. Uh, This is a Tuesday night, so I'm setting all my waivers before I go to bed. And then tomorrow, I'm going to be seeing who got dropped in all these leagues and just really paying attention to Who's on the waivers? Who's available? Who can I trade for? Who does each team need? Does this guy need a running back? Oh, did he lose his starting quarterback and it's a super flex? Well, maybe there's an opportunity to trade him a quarterback for a running back. Something like that. Just stay with the fundamentals. Don't give up on your leagues. What happened once can happen in reverse, right? You can go 0-4 and and then 4-0 and then you can go 8-0, right? So you could end the season 8-4 easily. But people just feel like, Whatever is happening, like, oh, I'm 4-0, I'm never going to lose, or I'm 0-4, I'm never going to win. It just feels like it's never going to stop, but it could easily flip on a dime one week to the next. So just keep that in mind. Most of you guys probably don't give up, but yeah, just wanted to touch on that. Now, 
Rolling right into the Dallas Cowboys versus Cleveland game. One of the bigger takeaways with Dallas is just how bad their defense is and how good their offense is. It it is wild to me that they're basically from minute one in every single game playing catch up on the offensive side of the ball. They're constantly down in score, which is just making Dak Prescott a fantasy god right now at the quarterback position. I mean, He's on pace for like 7,000 yards almost. I think it's like 6,700 or 60, uh, 6,800 yards, I think. And it's just nobody's ever been over 5,500 in the NFL. And he's about to smash it by about four games worth of yards. It's just crazy the pace that he's setting right now. And he had another game this week. But when your defense is this bad and you're playing catch up, oh my goodness. Now, the biggest detriment to being behind like this is to someone like Zeke because when you're constantly behind you don't get to impose your will in the ground game and McCarthy is the kind of guy who's a little bit more conservative he's been more bold this year I'll give him credit on that but by nature Matt McCarthy is a guy who likes to be conservative when he has a lead you know he wants to kind of run the clock and play a little bit of ball control and things like that and it's definitely directly impacting Zeke because they can't establish the run because they're constantly behind and it's helping every single one of these guys in the passing game even Zeke he had eight catches in this game on eight targets I mean I guess it could be something that you want to see for Zeke from the the PPR standpoint of things using him in the passing game but at the same time 12 for 54 on the ground is not something you really are excited about you kind of want to see maybe like four catches for 50 yards, but also 20 carries for 100 yards, you know. But uh, it's kind of a wash, I guess, that four catches and a full PPR is equivalent to 40 yards. So maybe it's just fine, but you kind of just want to see a little bit more on the ground from Zeke, and it's really hard to do when you're behind this much. But that said, this offense from a passing standpoint is just insane. Amari Cooper, 16 targets. CeeDee Lamb, is someone who's going to be a guy to own for years to come. I mean, the thing with Amari Cooper too, and I touched on this a little bit in my breakdown before the season, I was my biggest issue with Amari Cooper is just that people were kind of tired of the up and down nature of Amari Cooper. You know, he would just disappear for stretches of time and people were just tired of it, right? But so far in 2020, man, he just has been consistently a stud every single week especially in full PPR I mean 16 targets when you're constantly behind like this they're just feeding Amari Cooper and the craziest thing I think to that has happened so far in 2020 with this offense is just the lack of usage for Michael Gallup and that was the bigger surprise that they have basically made Amari Cooper the uh, gadget guy that kind of runs the slot he runs the outside routes he kind of they move him around the field a lot which makes sense. He's the best player, but they use CD lamb, not in the outside where he would probably be um, a dominant stud, but they're using him in the slot, which is why he's getting all those targets, right? But they put Michael Gallup on the outside, which is why he's not getting all the targets and he's getting longer targets when he is getting targeted, but his yardage numbers and his touchdowns are all just dropping ridiculously in 2020, just because how they're using him. And that's just something that was kind of unexpected, I think, because I didn't think that they would put Gallup on the outside because it's kind of not his skill set. That's not his not his forte, if you will. And 
Yeah, that's just been the bigger surprise for me. My uh, man, Michael Gallup, he's just someone that it's very tough. I would just say hold on to him. Better days are ahead. You could potentially try and move him, but I do think that he's going to be on a new team next year and better days are definitely ahead for Michael Gallup. He does have what it takes to be a solid wide receiver too. I don't know if he has what it takes to be a, a number one for a team, but if he can go somewhere where he's not the number three option or even the number four or five even with the, the Cowboys, I mean, right now I'd say Cooper's number one, Lamb's number two, and then you could make an argument for Schultz and Zeke, uh, the tight end, Dalton Schultz or Zeke, the running back, as the three and four potentially above Michael Gallup. So there's better days ahead for him coming in the future. Now on the Brown side, uh, Baker didn't look terrible, but he didn't look great. But this is the Browns that I kind of expected we were going to see where they're just going to make things happen this year. And I think we're kind of seeing my prediction on their record kind of come true where they're not a great team. They're not the best team in the NFL, but they're going to be a playoff team at this rate. Three and one, uh, their offense looks like it's finally starting to click a little bit. Their best uh, quarterback is probably Jarvis Landry at this point. Um, But I love those trick plays. Those are always fun. But yeah, they were just imposing their will on the Cowboys in this, in this game. And um, Odell is finally back. I I think that this is one of Odell's better games. I think he's going to have a little bit of a variation in this season where he's going to have these really big games, but he's also going to disappear. We'll see if that's the case going forward. But I think he's just very much the Stefan Diggs to the Vikings under Kevin Stefanski, you know, where Diggs last year would have these blow up games where you're just like, man, that's the guy. That's what I drafted him for. That's why I own him. But yeah, Odell is kind of that same guy, but because both of these guys just disappear and they they put up these performances where it's like, oh, 15 catches for or 15, uh, 150 yards for example, and 30 fantasy points in that one week. And then the next week it's like three, right? So um, I think this was one of Odell's better games, but it's good to see that he still has it in the tank and he can still do it. Now, uh, one guy I do want to mention on this team and Nick Chubb is on IR right now. It's kind of a disappointment, but, and Kareem Hunt is going to be a monster. Hopefully you own him uh, in your leagues, but man, He's going to be a stud with Nick Chubb out for a few weeks at least. At least three weeks with him being on IR, but potentially longer. But those aren't the two guys I want to talk about. The guy I want to talk about is the running back that they added this week that they signed from the uh, American Alliance of Football. And um, his name is Ernest Johnson. And he was running all over this team. He had nine. He had 95 yards on 13 carries. He's just a name that I want to watch going forward. Uh, Waivers are running, so you might have to put a waiver in on this guy. Hopefully you got him if you have your waivers run Tuesday nights. But if you have daily waivers like most leagues do out there, potentially put a bid on this guy if you have a spot at the bottom of your roster and just kind of hold him and see what he does. Because, I mean, he looked good on the field. And with Nick Chubb out, they're definitely going to run with Kareem Hunt and they're going to use another guy. It's going to be him. So I don't know if he has much value after Chubb comes back, but he's very, very interesting at least to kind of maybe stash and just see what happens. But um, yeah, this game was kind of a weird game because 
Cleveland got out to such an early lead and then Dallas started to come back and then it kind of got close at the end, but it was kind of always Cleveland's game. So it was kind of a, the, the score looks closer than it actually was, I think throughout most of the game, but yeah, it's good to see some of these guys kind of finally perform in, in fantasy for you. So, uh, yeah, so that was that game. Now, the next game I want to just touch on a couple of the players from is New Orleans versus Detroit. And a couple of these guys, the biggest thing is Kenny Galladay is finally healthy, looking good. But the Lions offense is just kind of struggling right now. And part of it is because the offense just hasn't been clicking. And I know they just got Kenny back last week and this is only second week back, but I mean, Marvin Jones has not been looking good. I know he's older, so that might be it. Maybe he's just finally lost a step, you know, and he's he's kind of hit that wall uh, that everybody kind of seems to hit at some point in their career. But their usage in the run game is just not very good. And we talked about Adam Gase and how he deserves to be fired. And I'm kind of just running through a laundry list of guys here today where they just need to go. And Matt Patricia is another one of those coaches. He just needs to go. And this is part of the Lions problem. And it has been for a long time. I mean, they fired Jim Caldwell for going 10 and six multiple seasons and almost making playoffs or losing in the first round of playoffs multiple times. And what has Matt Patricia given you that Jim Caldwell didn't? At least Jim Caldwell had a good offense, you know, and Matt Patricia is supposed to be a defensive minded coach. He has been one of the worst defenses in the NFL for three years. What are we doing at this point? I mean, what are the Lions going to gain by just keeping Matt Patricia? There's no way that he's going to be able to keep his job at this point in his career. So what are you doing that you're not firing him at this point? I mean, how did Bill O'Brien get fired when he went to the playoffs last season over someone like Adam Gase and Matt Patricia? It just boggles my mind how... He's lasted this long. So um, I think that that's part of it. I think Matt Patricia is just a terrible coach. But this offense has also just kind of not been clicking. Like I said, Marvin Jones hasn't been looking good. Uh, Kenny Galladay just finally getting back. Maybe that's going to be what it kind of takes to get Matt Stafford playing at a good level again. But this game was kind of weird because Detroit looked like they were going to kind of take the lead early. But then they just gave up point after point after point to the Saints where I think the Saints had like uh, 28 straight points and they went up 28 to 14 on the Lions and then the Lions started to battle back a little bit in the fourth quarter. But I mean, it was just a really, really weird game in terms of tempo for both teams. And they like, why did they draft DeAndre Swift in the second round if you're not going to use him? He had four carries in this game, but he was utilized in the passing game quite a bit with four targets. But it's just like, what are you doing? I mean, use the players that you have drafted. And I'll touch on this with the Green Bay too, because it boggles my mind in that game too. But uh, like, I just don't get it. I don't get what these GMs and these head coaches are doing at this point, especially if you're in the hot seat. Like, what are you doing just starting uh, like Adrian Peterson over DeAndre Swift? What are you going to gain from starting AP and giving him all the carries over Swift? He's not going to give you the spark that you need for this offense. So I don't know. This this team is just very weird. DeAndre Swift is someone who's getting a lot of traction, and he's someone that I'm very, very interested in for Dynasty. If you can get him cheap right now, I think that window is starting to close a little bit because 
he's getting more and more usage each and every week. So just keep that in mind. Um, they're not utilizing him on the ground game, like I said, but they're utilizing him in the passing game, which was always his specialty, his forte. So um, just a couple guys I wanted to touch on right there. But from the New Orleans side, I mean, Alvin Kamara was still doing Alvin Kamara things. Drew Brees showed a little bit of an arm in this game, but not much. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders looked okay. Traquan Smith looked okay. Um, yeah, Latavius Murray finally looked okay. They were just scoring left, right, and center for everybody on this team. But if you own Latavius Murray, one thing that I saw on Dynasty Twitter last couple of days is whether or not Murray can be a standalone guy without Alvin Kamara. The answer is no. We've tried this multiple times. Latavius Murray has never been a good running back without a good starting running back ahead of him. So if you can get anything good, if you have someone who thinks that Latavius Murray is going to be a guy that's going to have a lot of standalone value, go find that guy, sell the hell out of Latavius Murray to him because the dude's a trap play. You're never going to know when to start him. You're never going to know when he's going to have good weeks. The guy is talented enough to have these blow-up weeks like this week, 14 for 64 and two touchdowns but you just never know when it's going to come. You're not going to start the guy. He's just a trap player. So go sell Latavius Murray. Get what you can for him because he's a trap. So um, that's my thoughts on this game. It'll be good to see Michael Thomas back. I think that he's really going to help this team kind of be even better. This is the Saints that we kind of expected going into 2020. You know, Drew Brees, his arm looked a little bit better in this game, but it was also a dome game. So take that into account as well. I think that when it comes to the Dome, he's going to be looking a little bit better this year. And luckily for him, he has a lot of Dome games ahead of him. So, um, yeah, it was a weird game, like I said, from the flow of things where it felt like it was going to be closer and then it wasn't close and it got close. And that seems to be like the trend so far through a lot of these games where teams are just coming back left, right, and center. I mean, look at this next game that we're going to talk about, Seattle versus Miami. (laughs) I mean, Seattle went up big early and then they just started to lose that lead to Miami where they almost had a chance to tie it at the end of the game and take it into overtime and it's just like I don't know if it's offense is taking their foot off the gas in the season because they're trying to keep players healthy and and not wear everybody down but I mean this is why I like the Green Bay game this week it was the perfect example of what a team should do when you have the guys down just put your foot on their throat and just choke them out never take your foot off their throat and you think Dan Quinn would learn this by now but I mean goodness gracious just stop letting up I'm tired of seeing this I I don't know if there's an unwritten rule in football where it's bad to beat someone by 40 no that's not how it works you're all professionals you're all getting paid you don't ever stop just because you feel bad there's no mercy rule in football you continue to go because we've seen this time and time again teams come back so quit taking your foot off the gas and just pound them into the ground they're getting paid for this they chose this if they don't want to be bad then they will fix their head coach they will fix their team you know like stop feeling bad for your opponents that's not how this is supposed to work it just drives me crazy watching these guys just take their foot off the gas. But anyway, we're going to jump into Seattle versus Miami here. Enough of my rant here, I guess. But Russell Wilson, still cooking, still looking good. Chris Carson, still cooking, still looking good. Uh, Especially with the knee injury, it was kind of, people were nervous on whether or not Chris Carson could start this week. 
Chris Carson is someone that I think is going to be a dynasty asset. Again, similar to Melvin Gordon, where he's going to be very cheap compared to what people are kind of expecting to sell him for. You know, people want kind of out of the Chris Carson train, you know, especially with all the guys that they keep bringing in. Uh, Rashad Penny potentially coming back, DJ Dallas down there, Travis Homer. But Chris Carson is going to be a stud in 2020 as long as he's healthy. He kind of has gotten past that fumbling issue where it seems like the beginning of 2019 he had fumbleitis where they say this a lot. A lot of pro players talk about this where if you fumble once early in the season, you have a problem throughout the whole season because it's in your head. And once you do it once and then you do it again, oh man, then it really gets in your head and it starts to eat away. You're holding the ball and you're just less productive because you're thinking about things too much instead of just reacting, right? And being just those fast twitch muscles and all those things. But he hasn't had the fumble problem to start 2020 and he hasn't through four games fumbled one time. So I just think that last year it was kind of the fumbleitis where he got it in his head that, oh man, maybe I am a fumbler, you know, but he hasn't had it this year. So um, Chris Carson is someone who, like I said, people are very nervous about because of his age, his draft pedigree. It took a long time for Chris Carson to kind of get the respect that he was owed in Dynasty, but I think that he'll be fine this year. I would not be surprised if they brought him back on like a one, two, three year uh, cheaper option in the next couple years. But um, yeah, this offense is just rolling. DK Metcalf looking good. Uh, David Moore looking good. Tyler Lockett had a little bit of a quiet game, but they kind of were never really in trouble until the very end of the game where, again, they took their foot off the neck of the Dolphins and they started to climb back. And that's what you get with someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Now, on the Miami side, Ryan Fitzpatrick did Ryan Fitzpatrick things. He threw for 300 yards, but he also had two picks, no touchdowns. Um, He ran for a touchdown. Um, He was the number one running back for this team yet again. I would not be shocked if they use one of those top two picks from the Houston Texans in 2021 on a running back. Um, They really, really need one. Miles Gaskin is the running back you want to own for this team going forward. We've seen that a couple weeks now. Jordan Howard... He's only getting a couple carries a game, and it's very short yardage work. I'm really shocked by that. I thought he was going to have a much better role for this team going forward, but, yep, they just don't want to use him. Uh, Matt Breida, same thing. They traded for Matt Breida, so I thought he was at least going to have some sort of role, but, again, Miles Gaskin is just the guy that has been doing it every single week, so um, I guess he's just the one you want to own. And the other guy you really want to own is Devontae Parker, As long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback, Devontae Parker is the wide receiver to own for this team. I mean, 10 catches for 110 yards on 12 targets. He just has a connection with Ryan Fitzpatrick that it's hard to replicate, you know. Once Tua comes in, and it's only a matter of time before Tua comes in, but once Tua comes in, man, I don't know what to think about Parker. Hopefully, Tua can continue to feed him. Um... Parker is by far the best wide receiver for this team, but it's just kind of going to be a bit of a learning curve once Tua's in the game. But I'm very interested to see how Tua kind of does because not all these rookies are looking terrible. Like so far, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, both rookie quarterbacks, look really good so far in 2020. So hopefully Tua can continue that trend. But 
until we see it, you know, it's just kind of, uh, uh, cross your fingers and just cover your eyes and wait to see what, what the results are. But as long as Fitzpatrick is the quarterback, I am starting Devonte Parker every single week. And if you can get him for cheaper, I know it took a long time for Parker to break out, but I do, like I said, a million times at this point, I don't think it's a coincidence that his first year away from Adam Gase in 2019, he had a breakout season. And so far in 2020, again, breakout season. He always has the injury risk associated with him. Um, Kind of has loose hammies, I guess. But man, the dude is extremely talented and we're finally, finally getting to see it. So um, it was a fun game. Again, stop taking your, your foot off the throats, people, please, please for the love of God. Um, Next game we're going to talk about Los Angeles versus Tampa. And this game was just a missed opportunity by the Chargers to pick up a win here because they had the early lead on the Bucs and the Bucs came back. And Tom Brady was vintage Tom Brady in this game. Uh, He had five touchdowns, I think to five different people. He was just tossing them left, right, and center to everybody. Two two, uh, touchdowns to tight ends, one to Mike Evans again, who's having a career year right now with Tom Brady, which I was a little shocked by. I thought it would be Chris Godwin, but man, Mike Evans is just looking like a stud. You got to worry about Mike Evans a little bit with the usage and everything. He's kind of getting up hobbled a little bit too much for my liking every single play, it feels like. But Mike Evans so far has just been a fantasy stud every single week. But um, yeah, this game was kind of a missed opportunity for the Chargers because they blew this lead. And after this game, this frustrated me to no end where, and it's been two weeks in a row where Anthony Lynn has come out after the game and just said that they're going to go to Tyrod when Tyrod's fully healthy because Justin Herbert, uh, he didn't get them the win. And that's all Anthony Lynn cares about because he's on the hot seat, right? And Anthony Lynn is a great guy as seen by the Hard Knocks this year. But I think he's a bad head coach, and things like this are the exact reason why. And I was talking about this earlier with someone at work, but if you know that your job, these NFL guys, they're very smart people in general, but they're kind of dumb at the same time. Like, they don't really think things through very well, because if you're Anthony Lynn, you're on the hot seat, right? Well, you're going to get fired if you go to Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod just can't give you the spark on this offensive side of the ball that Justin Herbert's doing. So why would you not anchor your boat to Justin Herbert where at least you could use him as a pivot if at the end of the year you don't make playoffs, right? And you have a disappointing season. Say, well, we plan on going with Tyrod and we didn't think Justin Herbert was ready. He was a rookie. He made some mistakes, but Look at how well he looks on film right now. And he has looked really, really good. He's made some dumb mistakes, but he's a rookie. And I just don't get what Anthony Lynn gains by trashing Justin Herbert two weeks in a row after the games on how he doesn't look like a great quarterback because he's not getting the win. Like, I just don't understand. What do you want from Justin Herbert more? He had three touchdowns and he just had one costly pick at the end of the game. You gave up 38 points. Your defense is supposed to be one of the best defenses in the NFL, and you gave up 38 points. And you expect Justin Herbert to overcome Tom Brady and the the Bucks defense? The fact that he had three touchdowns against the Bucks was an amazing feat. So I'm all in on Justin Herbert. I think this kid looks like a stud. I think he's going to be a guy to own for a long time. And I really want Anthony Lynn to open his eyes and realize 
what he has right in front of him. Like, I get it that his seat and his butt is burning, but come on, man, just open your eyes. Now, from the player side of things, on the Charger side of things, uh, Austin Eckler going down really stinks. Joshua Kelly is going to be someone to watch here in the next coming weeks. Uh, hopefully you got him while you could, but as long as Justin Herbert's the quarterback, I am so happy with Keenan Allen because they are just going to feed the ever-loving crap out of Keenan Allen. Hunter Henry as well. He didn't have a super good game in this game, but um, the Bucks defense is very, very good. So just to put that into context, but Keenan Allen with Tyra Taylor is going to be an unusable fantasy asset, but Keenan Allen with Justin Herbert in a PPR league is going to be a stud. So just, just putting that out there on the Tom Brady side of things. I mean, what a guy. Um, the one player I want to point out here is Keyshawn Vaughn. And he came in because McCoy's kind of battling some injuries and he had the touchdown he finally got used a little bit. He didn't play very many stap, snaps, but this is the vintage Bruce Arians mold of we're going to get this rookie and we're going to slowly ease him into the offense. We're not going to give him a very big workload early, and this is exactly what he did multiple times. He did it most recently before uh, Keyshawn Vaughn with David Johnson, who is a stud running back, you would say, for many years of his career, but he just takes these guys and he doesn't give them a full workload at the beginning of the season. He just works them up and works them up and works them up. And I think that Keyshawn Vaughn is finally primed to overtake Shady McCoy. Um, We'll see when Leonard Fournette comes back, how the, this three headed monster kind of breaks out. But again, I think by the end of the season, Keyshawn Vaughn is the guy you're going to want to own for the running back for this team. Ronald Jones is still getting a lot of the carries. He looks like a good rusher, you know, like he looks like a good runner of the football, but every time they target him in the passing game, I, it just looks so awkward that it just, it, it, it hurts me to watch him catch the ball. And Leonard Fournette's kind of the same way. He's a good rusher. And I don't know if Keyshawn Vaughn will ever get 20 carries like Rojo had in this game, but I think that he's going to be utilized a lot in the passing game and as a dump off option. But I think by the end of the year, he might be getting about 10 carries, maybe 12 carries a game. And that's all you kind of want from him by the end of the year, because they're not going to have Fournette next year. Um, Rojo will be one year closer to being a free agent. So I think in 2021 will be the peak Vaughn season and you can get Vaughn very, very cheap right now. So just a name I wanted to throw out for you guys um, to keep on your radar. Try and go get him if you can. Again, he's very cheap for the most part. Now, rolling on to the Baltimore versus Washington game, um, one big and scary takeaway from this game is Lamar Jackson is a amazing running back, and I know this is a joke. I, he's not actually a running back. He's a quarterback. Yeah, 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 but he has been struggling heavily in the passing game so far through four games this season, and that was the biggest thing that is kind of concerning for Lamar Jackson. He's still getting the touchdowns, but his yardage is still extremely low. His rushing numbers are still extremely high. He's an electric runner, but man, it's just very, very concerning to see him step so far back in the passing game from 2019. We were all kind of hoping he would take a step forward. I want to see how that progresses as the season goes on, but yeah, it's kind of concerning 
with Lamar Jackson. I love this guy as a talent, but this is why I was saying in the offseason that there's no way Lamar Jackson's going to finish as the number one quarterback overall again. And that's why I had uh, Kyler Murray up there, but it looks like it's going to be Dak just based on his 6,700 uh, passing yard season here in 2020. So, um, but yeah, Lamar Jackson, it's a little concerning. I'm not bailing on Lamar Jackson. The dude is still electric as a runner. And all he has to do is have like a good season, like a Cam Newton season um, to just, yeah, be totally fine. But I will give a little bit of credit too to the Washington defense. They are a, a pretty locked and loaded defense that he was up against as well. So, um, Another key takeaway is the running game for the Baltimore side. It's a three-headed monster right now. It's something that I want no piece of for Dynasty. Mark Ingram had the touchdown this week, but, I mean, nine carries for 38 yards for Gus Edwards. Mark Ingram had eight carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. J.K. Dobbins had five carries for 16 yards. I mean, as long as they have these guys doing this, it's just not something that I want to be a part of. And they really... I hate, like I said earlier, I hate rooting on injury, but until there's an injury or they get rid of Gus Edwards or they get rid of Mark Ingram, if they could go to a two-back system, it would just help these guys so much. But until they do that, that's the biggest problem with someone like J.K. Dobbins. I think the talent is there. He's just so locked behind this three-headed monster of a rushing game. And it's just kind of a problem that, it's going to hurt him and it's going to limit him from a fantasy side. Will he have big weeks here and there? Probably. But on a week-to-week basis, he has almost no ceiling, right? And a very, very, very low floor. So just take that into account. Keep that in mind. Better days are probably ahead for Dobbins, but it's probably not going to be until 2021, maybe even 2022, if they keep Mark Ingram next year because they don't have to cut Mark Ingram next year. So from the Washington side, again, their defense is looking really, really good. Dwayne Haskins actually had an okay game this game. Um, he didn't make a ton of the costly turnovers and fumbles and things like that. Um, it was not a terrible game from Haskins, but this this is the problem with Haskins. Of This team is set up for a defensive team, and This offense, I just feel like, is so inept right now that it's kind of a problem because their head coach is uh, Ron Rivera, who's defensive-minded. He's a great defensive coach. Their defensive coordinator is Jack Del Rio, who was a head coach for multiple teams, and he is a great defensive mind. Him and, and Ron Rivera are just a stud combination of defensive minds, and with the talent that they have on this defense... It doesn't surprise me that their defense is just locked and loaded like this and why they're looking so good. But Scott Turner is the offensive coordinator who came over from Carolina. And one thing I will say with Carolina, even with Cam Newton before, Christian McCaffrey is a freak of nature. Cam Newton is a freak of nature. He never really made them and their offenses look amazing, even with those freak of natures. It was more those guys were just so good that they made his system look better than it actually was. And we're kind of seeing that in 2020 where Scott Turner's offense just isn't as good as as people kind of were expecting. But um, that's the problem for Haskins. He needs a good offense to kind of shine. And it, this just isn't it. So they're, they're going to have to try and fix that in 2021, um, maybe bring in a better offensive mind. But 
I just, I, I would not be surprised if they try and cut bait from Haskins, similar to like a Josh Rosen. And I think that'd be a mistake. I think Haskins has the potential, but it's just, he's kind of handicapped right now by his offensive line, his weapons, um, his coordinator, his scheme, everything. So I just feel kind of bad for Dwayne Haskins a little bit, but in terms of weapons, he has two amazing weapons on this team and they're finally starting to show what they can do, which is fun to watch. Those weapons would be Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is, it seems like at this point, unstoppable. Like you just can't shut the guy down. Man coverage. I mean, he's just, every team, every defense that he plays against, he just puts up about eight, nine, 10 catches for about 80 to 100 yards, sometimes a little bit lower, sometimes a little bit better. But I mean, he's just solid. Terry McLaurin is a beast of receiver and a lot of teams missed on him. And the Redskins or the Washington football team have hit a diamond in the rough with Terry McLaurin. And he deserves better, to be honest with you, from what he's getting from Washington right now. But Antonio Gibson is the other guy that they're finally using him and they are using him like Christian McCaffrey. He's not Christian McCaffrey. He's CMC light, but the fact that he is so explosive is just, it's fun to watch him play. So if you haven't seen it, just go watch some of the highlights of him. He is so freaking explosive, man. It's fun to watch. And this just is a little bit of a shot at all those people in the offseason who said, oh, he only had 26 total touches in college. Yeah, who cares? Doesn't matter. I don't give a shit one way or the other how many touches he had in college. The dude was explosive. Everybody knew he was explosive. And fading him for usage in college is the same reason why people faded DK Metcalf. And how's that paying off? You know, I'm done fading people just based on lack of touches in college. If you do well in a good division against good teams, I don't care. I'm going to sign you to my team because this is two years in a row. DK Metcalf, now Antonio Gibson, who players who didn't have the production that you want to see on paper and they are studs and people thought they were going to be studs and they are proving it. So, um, Antonio Gibson is a stud. Terry McLaurin is a stud. This offense needs a little bit better from what they're getting from the play calling and hopefully that'll come, but I just don't know when. Now, another game that is a bit of a problem, um, is the Cardinals versus the Carolina Panthers. Cardinals, Kyler Murray is struggling a little bit the last couple of weeks. He's been kind of safe with his high rushing floor, but only 133 yards on 24 catches in this game. I mean, that's depressing. At least it was 24 catches. So in a PPR league, you were kind of bailed out by that side of things. But yeah, that yardage number was uh, very depressing. And um, one thing I will say for the Panthers, they spent like, I think every single draft pick on a defensive player in this year's draft. And then they kind of signed a bunch of offensive guys and it seems to be paying off, but, um, yeah, the Cardinals offense is struggling a little bit. Um, Kenyon Drake is someone that I'm out on at this point completely from a dynasty standpoint, sell them all you can, because I just don't know if there's better days ahead for Kenyon Drake. At this point, they're not even utilizing him in the passing game. They're using Chase Edmonds in that. So, yeah, I'm cutting ties with Kenyon Drake, and I suggest you do too, but um, I get it trying to hold him and see if you can get a good boom game off him before you sell him. But um, on the other side of things, uh, 
the Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater is looking like a stud so far this year. I mean, I really did not give Teddy a lot of credit, but man, he is looking number he is looking really, really good like a a a number one quarterback should for a team. So um Mike Davis is a guy it, it stinks that he has Christian McCaffrey ahead of him that's coming back soon because the guys looked really, really good. And hopefully you got him to play him for a couple weeks in your leagues because he's been a solid fantasy stud. And it's just all going to disappear here in a couple weeks when Christian McCaffrey comes back, which is unfortunate, but that's the way of the world, I guess. And one other piece of information to note is just this receiving core. The biggest thing I think is a shocker and you need to adjust. And we have enough data at this point to make an adjustment. Robbie Anderson is the number one wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. And love it or hate it, He is the guy that you want to own for this receiving core. DJ Moore is not. And whether you want to fully panic on DJ Moore and sell him, I would suggest it at this point. You're going to be holding him for a while if you're not, because the problem with DJ Moore is he doesn't have the connection to the head coach that Robbie Anderson does. It's a fully new staff, and Robbie Anderson is the one performing week in and week out. That's all these guys care about. They don't care about your draft pedigree from a previous regime. They care about who's producing for these guys right now. And Robbie Anderson is the number one wide receiver for the Panthers. Adjust accordingly. Go buy him if he's going for cheap in your league. Sell DJ Moore because you're just going to be holding him for a long time. And you can hopefully cash out on his name profile with this being Dynasty. He was going as the... Wide receiver six in startups this year. And I told people that this was crazy because we had no idea what was going to happen with this receiving core. And this is the problem. You're going to be holding DJ Moore for a couple years because they have a fifth year option on him. And they're not going to let him go because he is extremely talented, but he's just not going to be a stud for fantasy. And if you can get a premium off DJ Moore's name, I suggest doing so. That's just me. Feel free to call me an idiot, whatever you want, but I'm telling you, man, this is the trend that we have seen through four weeks. Robbie Anderson is the one you want to own, so just take that into account, and yeah, plan accordingly. Don't say I didn't warn you. Um, Next game we're going to touch on here is the Minnesota Vikings versus the Houston Texans. Two 0-3 teams played against each other, and... The Minnesota Vikings come out on top. They make the Houston Texans 0-4 and personally sign Bill O'Brien's firing notice. And this was a long time coming. I I almost think that this was a little bit uh, preemptive because Bill O'Brien is not a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to defend Bill O'Brien. He was an idiot. He did some of the dumbest things I've ever seen. But the problem was he was an okay head coach before. Giving him GM responsibilities was the dumbest thing I've ever seen a team owner do ever because he's not a good he's not a good enough head coach to warrant it in the first place and then he dropped so substantially after you gave him the GM role that it was just like okay this was a mistake you saw this last year when he started selling everyone for pennies on the dollar he uh, the the Houston Texans are so screwed because not only are you out your head coach and your general manager at this point that you have to fill them and good luck with that 
in the middle of the season, but they are the most expensive team in the NFL. They're 0-4, and they have no first or second round pick in next year's draft. So when you go 0-4, the benefit to that and the consolation prize is you have a very high draft pick next year. Well, you don't even have that draft pick. So now you're losing to boost up the Dolphins for next year. So congratulations, Houston. You gave Bill O'Brien GM responsibilities, and it has now bit you so hard in the ass. I hope you're proud of yourselves. So good luck filling those positions because you are absolutely screwed. And this is what you get for giving Bill O'Brien GM responsibilities. Now, that said, this team is concerning going forward because now uh, I think Romeo Cornell is the interim head coach for the team and he's going to be doing some of their play calling and yeah I don't know what's going to happen going forward because at least Bill O'Brien could put together a decent game plan. Texans at this point are a panic stop for me in fantasy right now. I'm not selling anybody. I'm not buying anybody. I'm just waiting to see what happens because we have no idea what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I don't know how this uh, the game plans are going to play out. I don't know how anything's going to look for this team. So um, take that into account. Just freeze on all these guys. Give it one week. Give it two weeks. Kind of just see what happens, especially with the coaching uh, kind of turnover and, and what we're going to expect from that. So um, freeze on these guys. But yeah, just my word of advice for all Texans right now. And and conversely, the Minnesota Vikings are kind of a semi-buy right now because they started 0-3, and it wasn't until week three that they actually started looking competent on the offensive side of the ball. And this week they looked, they continued that, that dominance on the offensive side of the ball. 27 carries for Dalvin Cook, 130 yards, two touchdowns. They started utilizing him in the passing game. Adam Thielen had a ton of targets, ton of catches. Justin Jefferson finally showing the flashes that he was drafted to show. Um, I think that their offense is starting to figure itself out, and it's really exciting because Gary Kubiak is a good offensive coordinator. I was surprised by how bad their offensive looked coming out in weeks one through three, but it seems like he's finally starting to get a handle on what this team needs to do. And there are definitely better days ahead for the Vikings. I think that they're going to compete potentially for a playoff spot by the end of the year. So if you can get these guys now while they're cheaper, definitely something to consider. Um, But like I said, better days are ahead for these guys. And yeah, those guys are studs. Justin Jefferson is finally looking like the guy they drafted him to be. So uh, next game we're going to roll into is Giants versus Rams. This game was kind of like a weird defensive hold um the best piece of takeaway from this game was the fight between uh Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate which is kind of interesting uh go watch some of the footage on it but I guess uh Jalen Ramsey was married to or dating or whatever uh Golden Tate's sister and he has like three kids with her and uh he left her last summer and is with someone else now and kind of has not paid attention to the kids and all this stuff and it's a lot of family drama right there and they did not stop it on the field because uh Jalen Ramsey just absolutely plastered Colton Tate on a play it was like the nastiest hit ever of 2020 and uh it just continued off the in the middle of the field I guess after the game was over and it was just kind of a kind of a 
inter- interesting like uh, sideshow for the game. But uh, this was not a fun game to watch. Um, very much of a grindy kind of just work your way through this game as it goes on. Daniel Jones, again, turning the ball over. This is the problem with Daniel Jones that was going into the season. This is what everybody said. Daniel Jones needs to continue to improve on his ball security, and he is not doing that. And he had a fumble in this game. He didn't lose it. His team managed to recover it, but he had another pick. And it's just, it's not looking good for Daniel Jones in the turnover turnover rate for 2020. So that's something that really, really needs to get fixed because Daniel Jones has the potential to be a really good quarterback. He just needs to stop turning the freaking ball over every time he touches it. It's like two to three turnovers a game. That's just ridiculous, man. It's insane. So if he can stop that, he might actually be a good quarterback. So um, that's the New York side of things. It's very much a weird kind of, their team is in a weird limbo phase right now because they're in rebuild. They're clearly in rebuild. Uh, They got a new first year head coach. Um, They have a lot of holes on the defense. The defense is basically trash and their offense has kind of holes where they their offensive line is is really weak. They lost Saquon Barkley early, so there's just weird. It's in a limbo phase right now, and it just kind of puts a lot of pressure on a lot of these guys on the on the receivers and the the running backs. And I just don't see many positive game scripts for New York this season. So um, it's going to be tough for fantasy knowing when to start any of these guys. Slayton is the only one, like I said, that I want to own long term for this team, but. Yeah, just take that into account. I don't know if there's going to be many fantasy-relevant days going forward. On the flip side, again, the Rams kind of went into this with a game plan. That game plan didn't really work according to what they wanted it to do. And it was kind of just a, well, let's just get through this one and scrape our way to the end and just come back next week because they really couldn't move the ball like they wanted to through the air, through the ground. It was kind of just a kind of a slugfest in this game. So um, a lot of field goals, not really many touchdowns. It was just, yeah, not really what either team kind of expected going into it. So uh, Rams, most of them, Darrell Henderson had a down game, I guess, and and Malcolm Brown had a little bit more usage and he was a little bit more productive on the ground. But yeah, this running game is still kind of a, a mess. People were really into Darrell Henderson after week three. Um, and I didn't get to talk about that, but I had my reservations going into that because he's just, that's what he's done so far. He shows flashes and then he just disappears. So I don't know what the true Darrell Henderson is for this team. So, um, running game for the Rams I'm out on the receiving game though. Again, it's just the one, a one B of Cooper cup and Robert Woods. Both of them were okay for fantasy. They kind of eat into each other where one has a good week and the other one doesn't, but um, this was just a Cooper Cup week, so we'll see what happens next week. Hopefully, it'll be a Robert Woods week next week. But yeah, kind of a weird game. Not really exciting one way or the other. Um, it's kind of sad when the off the field uh, baby baby mama drama, I guess, is the most exciting thing for for a week. So um, New England, uh, sorry, not New England, but we're gonna go into Indy versus Chicago, and this game was. Again, kind of like the the Rams, Rams uh, New York game, kind of a grindy back and forth where 
it was just not fun to watch for most of the game. And it was closer on paper than it, it was in reality where Indy had control of the game for three and a half quarters. And it wasn't until like the final six minutes of the game that the bears finally started to do something. Um, it was just, yeah, painful to watch. I, I tweeted out in the middle of the game that, uh, Mitch Trubisky got benched for playing better than Nick Foles did in this game. And I just, the bears offense is just so confusing. I just don't get what it's supposed to be. Um, I don't know why that final drive with the bears, they don't do that every single time where they just hyper target Allen Robinson and get him the ball in space. Like why did it take until three and a half quarters to do that? Why couldn't you do that the whole time? So I just, I just don't get it, but you know, we'll see how this offense goes. They're three and one, but they are the most, uh, unexciting three and one I've ever seen. So here's hoping that Nick Foles can step up in, in week five, but I'm not holding my breath. What they really need to start doing is just starting Mitch Trubisky for each and every game and then letting Nick Foles come in at halftime and, and mop up the, the, uh, second half because something in that dude's brain, when he comes in as a relief thrower, you know, relief quarterback, kind of like a relief pitcher, right? Where if he comes in as relief, it just clicks in his brain and he just goes off. I just don't know what it is. When he's down against the wall, he just has a, a, th- a switch in his head that he flicks and then he just starts balling out out of nowhere. So just let Mitch run the game for, for two or three quarters and then just bring Nick Foles in to, to close it out. That's what they need to start doing. I don't know why not at this point because neither one of them looks good for a whole game. So whatever. Um, on the Indian Indianapolis side of things, Phillip Rivers was okay, wasn't really that good. Their whole um, passing game is kind of struggling right now. They really need Paris Campbell and uh, the rookie uh, that they are missing right now, who is Michael Pittman. Sorry, I had to think about it. Um, Both Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman being out, it kind of hurts them, and you can see it in this game. They can't move the ball through the air like they want to, and it's just, yeah, it's a problem. Hopefully they can maybe go trade for a wide receiver. Um, I would not be shocked if closer to the trade deadline they they make a move because Indy has a team. Their defense is balling out right now, and all they need is really one wide receiver to make a push for playoffs. But um, that's just something to kind of watch here in the next couple weeks of do they try and make a move on a wide receiver. There's teams that are buying that should be buying all over the NFL for wide receivers. And there's some teams that are selling, looking at Atlanta, um, maybe Michael Gallup with the Cowboys. Um, some of these guys were, go make a push for these guys. What does it hurt? Make it make a shot. So um, just my thoughts on that. The running game for the, the Colts was a little confusing. I just don't know why they're not giving Jonathan Taylor the ball more. He was by far, in a way, the, the best runner for this team. The other guys, they gave him like 17 carries or so between uh, the other two running backs, Naeem Hines and uh, um, I forget the other guy's name, uh, Jordan Wilkins. And they just averaged like three yards or two yards a carry. Meanwhile, you got Jonathan Taylor getting the same number of carries as those two guys combined and almost doubling their yardage numbers. So it's just, I it's confusing to me. I don't know what Frank Reich is doing. Maybe they're just kind of keep 
Jonathan Taylor healthy as the game goes on. Like I said, they controlled that game for three and a half quarters. It's not like they needed Jonathan Taylor to beast mode the entire team, but um, that's my best guess. I don't really know. Hopefully that's what the, the answer is, but yeah, we'll see how these teams go. Both of them are three and one now, so we'll just see how things look in the future in the coming weeks, but yeah, like I said, the the Chicago Bears are not the most exciting 3 and 1 team and the Colts are a very good defense and a good running game, but they really need a wide receiver. So, I'm hoping that they go and trade for somebody here in the short-term future. So, um last game or not the last game, sorry. The next game is the Bills and the Raiders and Bills are now 4 and 0. Josh Allen is balling out. Uh, it's four straight weeks of Josh Allen just looking like a stud, um, not making the mistakes that he's made in the past. And it's just, it's good to see from Josh Allen, man, he's really proven a lot of people wrong. Um, Devin Singletary was really good. I think the biggest takeaway from this game and the last couple weeks now through four weeks, what we've seen is, and this is kind of a NFL wide issue is that defenses are down as a whole in 2020 and, the Buffalo defense is locked and loaded. It is stacked in terms of talent, but even the Buffalo defense is looking pretty, pretty rocky so far through 2020. So it's going to be an interesting battle to see these teams and who can make the adjustments and, and kind of pick up their defenses as the season goes along. But um, yeah, Buffalo's defense taking a step back is very concerning, but it also leads to these ball out plays by Josh Allen where he's just, yeah, chucking it down the field and Stefan Diggs hopefully he's happy here happier than he was in in Minnesota and man he's producing each and every week so Stefan Diggs doing well with Josh Allen was one thing that I kind of missed on a little bit myself I was a little bit more uh hesitant to say the least on Diggs going into 2020 and man that was wrong but um the guy that is very very good on this team and deserves a little bit of credit is Devin Singletary. 18 carries for 55 yards. His, his rushing wasn't that exciting, but he got a touchdown. Um, it wasn't a Josh Allen touchdown, but Josh Allen still had a touchdown in this game. But um, Devin Singletary also got six targets. He was number two in targets for the team uh, behind Stefan Diggs. Without Moss, Zach Moss, on the active roster right now, Devin Singletary is eating it up for fantasy and hopefully that stays that way. But man, once Zach Moss gets back on the field, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about Singletary, but man, Singletary has shown through the last couple of weeks, week three and week four, that he can shoulder that burden of being a number one running back for a team. So I'm really hoping the Buffalo Bills kind of give him that opportunity. I was never a big Zach Moss guy anyway, so it, for me, it's just fine kind of watching Singletary produce in this team. But on the flip side, Las Vegas, Derek Carr had an okay statistical game. But again, a lot of it is after the contact made by the receivers and his playmakers. And Darren Waller is still a stud, 12 targets for him, eight targets for Hunter Renfro. Uh, Nelson Aguilar kind of having a resurgent season. But the biggest thing that I will take I will say, and it's a little concerning to watch, and maybe it's predictable. So hopefully it's predictable. And 
we have a little bit of information and a trend on this, but Josh Jacobs had another bad week and he had a bad week in week three and I think an okay week in week two. And in each one of those weeks, he's played a top five, top 10 rushing defense. And week one, when he had his ball out week, he played a bottom 10 rush defense. And like I said, better days are ahead for Josh Jacobs. There's He's not going to going to be playing a top five, 10 rushing defense all year. Um, he's going to be playing some softer matchups here in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll get some data on that as the season goes on. And maybe it is that he kind of just struggles when you have a good rushing defense. And if that's the case, it's going to be great from a fantasy standpoint where you kind of know when you can fade Josh Jacobs, you know, um, if you know when a guy's going to have a bad week and you can kind of predict that. That's kind of a blessing in disguise. So um, that's one thing that we've noticed. Josh Jacobs, a little bit of a predictable uh, situation, hopefully, but something to monitor as the season goes on. You're not going to hit the panic mode button on Josh Jacobs just yet. But the one thing that is kind of a little bit concerning is the last couple of weeks, his passing numbers have gone down a little bit, but um they haven't really had the leads that they want in these games the last couple of weeks. So they're kind of fighting back from behind. So I can see why his rushing totals are, are down a little bit, but they're trying to keep him a little bit healthier. So Vegas is two and two. So it's not like they're doing terribly. They're right in the middle of the pack in the NFL. So um, maybe they're just trying to kind of control his workload a little bit, not kill the guy early in the season. So um, that's my thoughts on that game. There's really nobody, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro is kind of interesting for the next couple of weeks, but again, once Henry Ruggs and uh, Brian Edwards get back from being on the injury reports, they're going to be much better, I think, options for fantasy because you saw it when they were on the field. They just basically made Hunter Renfro irrelevant anyway. So um, yeah, not a great game. There's some interesting games this week that were just not good to watch and this next one's a perfect example it was the Sunday night game Philly versus San Francisco San Francisco is so battered on the defensive side of things with injuries and then the offensive side of things they are also battered with injuries that they don't have Jimmy Garoppolo Nick Mullins looked like garbage in this game they went to CJ Beathard at one point but uh, they don't have their air quote number one running back but I would say that Jarek McKinnon might be making the case to be the number one running back for this team. Um, But they are just, they're not super healthy right now. And it's, it's kind of just shows they're not the cleanest team and, but their, their guys are just so good. And that it just goes to show how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan is in, in just terms of pure football coach, because George Kittle still a fancy stud. I want to just take a minute and just, brag because I played against George Kittle in a tight end premium league this week and I ended up winning just barely I won in this league by 0.2 points literally two yards I won in this league and George Kittle had 15 catches on 15 targets which each one of those was worth two points not one point 183 yards and a touchdown I mean he literally had I think it was like 56 points for one player and I managed to pull out a win. I was so happy, man. I was so thrilled that I still managed to get the win in that in that matchup. But 
Holy cow, George Kittle is such a stud. Uh, Debo, it's good to see him back. He didn't play many snaps. They're kind of slowly working him back into the offense. I don't think week five is going to be the Debo week. I think more week six is when he's going to be fantasy relevant again. Um, And I think that kind of coincides with when Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be back fully healthy as well. So something to watch right there um, from a fantasy side of things. Brandon Ayuk, the kid is very talented. I really like this guy. He's very explosive and I can see why the Packers were very interested in him. I can see why uh, San Francisco is very interested. Him and Debo are going to be a stud combination of wide receivers going forward. So yeah, Brandon Ayuk, he's, he's someone that is definitely rising on my board as someone who is someone I want to own going forward. Um, on the Philly side, this team just looks like a mess from the offensive side of the things. Uh, their offensive line is just in shambles right now. And that's part of why I think Carson Wentz looks so terrible. And this offense just isn't clicking is just, he has like almost no time. He's got nobody to throw to his best receivers are Travis Fulgram, um, Greg Ward, Richard Rogers. I mean, he has nobody to throw to and the Eagles GM, Howie Roseman, deserves a lot of this blame he's just kind of let the position degrade over the last few years where uh, he hasn't prioritized it at all it's just kind of crazy to me free agency rookies like he did go get Jalen Rager this year but I mean Rager's kind of injured right now Um, Alshon Jeffrey they're trying to sell him at this point and trade him I mean what are you gonna get for Alshon Jeffrey at this point he's been busted and broken for Two straight years now is just a waste of time. And Deshaun Jackson not healthy again. I mean, they really let this team degrade on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense is still improving, but I mean, yeah, this Philly team is just sad to watch and it, it kind of hurts. But Miles Sanders is probably by and far the best guy on the field right now. Zach Ertz is someone that's kind of washed, in my opinion. He doesn't look good, he's not getting the targets. It, It's sad to see because Zach Ertz used to be such a stud, man. And I'm a full sell on Zach Ertz. He is a full sell for me. I want nothing to do with him going forward. Um, Just want to point that out to you guys because he is, yeah, the biggest disappointment for me going into this season. Now, this gets us to the final two games. And it was a doubleheader on Monday night, yesterday night. And I, I was working late yesterday night. Um, I've got a lot of projects due at work and everything, but um, I had the the Patriots-Kansas City game up a little bit, and I was listening to it, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the first guy I want to touch on real quick. Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, they look good. You couldn't, you can't stop this team. Patriots tried for three quarters, but you, just, you can't stop this team forever. Uh, they're just too good to slow him down forever. So Patrick Mahomes ended the the game pretty good stat-wise. Travis Kelsey was just fine. Uh, Tyreek Hill had the one catch for the touchdown that saved his his fantasy week, like every single week. Um, But Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the one guy I want to touch on real quick. And um, this is maybe more of a redraft thing, but people drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire so high and they had such high expectations that they feel like he's kind of a bust right now. And the one thing I do want to point out is Clyde Edwards-Alaire has not gotten a touchdown since week one. And 
those touchdowns are coming. Don't underrate how they're going to use Clyde Edwards-Alaire season long. I just want to give you guys a, a just a reassuring, um, you know, word of advice. Nobody's going to be panic selling Clyde Edwards-Alaire, especially in Dynasty. Again, this is more of a redraft thing, but um, just know that better days are ahead. He's being utilized. He's got such a high snap percentage. He's got a, such a high uh, touch percentage. I mean, he had three three carry or three catches on three targets and 16 carries. I mean, 19 total touches. He's doing just fine. He just hasn't gotten in the end zone, and it's coming. So just keep that in mind. Better days are ahead for uh, Clyde going forward. Now, on the other side, the Patriots side, they tried to keep the Kansas City team down as much as they could, but no Cam Newton because of the COVID positive test. Uh, rolling with with Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. All those people that told me Jared Stidham was the future of our team were, I just want to point this game in your face because Jared Stidham is not good. He's just not a good quarterback. I mean, it's okay to admit. Uh, I'm a Pat, I'm a Pats fan, you know. I, I, I like the Patriots. They're my team. They've been my team for like 25 years now. And it's okay to admit we're not going to be good with Jared Stidham. We need a quarterback that's better than him. And I'm all aboard trying to draft someone high next year or maybe sign somebody like a Matt Stafford or re-sign someone like Cam Newton. I'm not a big Cam Newton fan. I don't really like his personality. Uh, he kind of annoys me a little bit with his showmanship and his uh, just cocky attitude and everything. But the dude's really good at football. I'm totally fine re-signing him. But um, yeah, this this game was just the perfect example of what a the loss of Cam Newton and Tom Brady means for this team because we just couldn't get anything done. It just looked so bad. They turned the ball over constantly. Um, I think Bill Belichick kind of took Tom Brady for granted for too long because Tom didn't make mistakes and and he was a perfectionist and um, Cam Newton doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He's not perfect, but he makes more mistakes than Tom, but he's still better than both of the guys that we had playing last night. And yeah, that's just... This is what you're going to get when you got uh, Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. And I think that Bill Belichick kind of took that for granted. And and uh, he's kind of learning and seeing with his own eyes what, what his uh, lack of care to the position has kind of brought. So um, from the skill positions, again, these guys just couldn't get anything done. I think it's more the quarterback play than it was the skill guys. But um, there's nobody here, even in Keel Harry, man, he looks terrible. He looks like uh, I forget the guy that uh, oh it's gonna it's gonna bug me the guy that Cam Newton played with um, who he made into a stud in his career year and um, the guy just had the one good year oh, man it's gonna bug me I can't think of his name but um, he had the good year with Cam Newton in his MVP season and the next year Travis Ben or no oh man it's gonna bug me um, but he came back the next year and looked terrible, and he got fat, and he ultimately left the Panthers, went to the Bills, and he just was never anything, and I think that this is in Keel Harry. The guy can't separate. He's not a small guy. I He just does nothing that wows me at all. Um, I thought it was a bad pick when we made it, and I know he had the touchdown, but he just, he does nothing to, to kind of wow me, so um I think the Enkil Harry, I'm calling it now that he's going to be a bust. I don't care. Uh, Patriots fans, 
we, I don't know. I'm a Patriots fan, but we have some of the most delusional fans in the world because they, they think that Bill can do no wrong. Bill can do no wrong when it comes to most things, but when it comes to drafting wide receivers and skill players, he can do no right. It seems like in the last few years, he's just, he's really missed on those positions over the last few years. And it's kind of depressing. So hopefully we can kind of fix that going forward, but man, it it, it is depressing. There's nobody from this Patriots side of the ball, um, from the passing game that I want to own running game. I will say Damian Harris is a name to watch out for with Sony Michelle going on IR Damian Harris. He had the hundred yards, um, rushing, albeit 41 of it came on one play, but he does look like a decent running back. And I want to see how he's used with cam on the field because cam will definitely open up the run game for him a little bit more. I want to see him utilized a little bit, maybe in the, in the passing game, but Damian Harris is someone that I'm very, very interested going forward. So uh, just keep that in mind. You can maybe get him for cheap. He didn't have an amazing game, but he didn't have a bad game. So buy him while you can. Now, the last game of the week was the funnest game, I think, to watch from these this doubleheader. And it was Green Bay versus Atlanta. And it was fun, not because it was competitive, but it was fun because Aaron Rodgers just did whatever he wanted to this Atlanta defense. And it made, he made it look like he was playing high schoolers out there. And it was just kind of wild to watch how these Atlanta Falcons played on defense. And again, I'm putting these head coaches on blast who kind of deserve it between Adam Gase, Matt Patricia, um, Bill O'Brien, who got fired. But Dan Quinn deserves to be fired at this point. The dude is just not a good head coach. He's a defensive head coach, and his defense has been the worst in the NFL, similar to Matt Patricia, only worse than Matt Patricia's defenses for like three straight season. Uh, his team just fell apart. I mean, I, it, what are you doing at this point? I think Arthur Blank is just too nice a guy. He's going to let Dan Quinn kind of play out the season, and then he's going to fire him after the season. But yeah, Dan Quinn, it's only a matter of time at this point. And this team is just... Uh, Good luck, man. Um, from a from the Falcon side of things, I'll touch on them first. Todd Gurley is a must-sell to me. He looks done, man. I really thought that Todd Gurley was going to be a beast with this Atlanta team, and I thought he was going to look like vintage Todd Gurley. He looks like he's bust. He looks like David Johnson last year with the Cardinals. That's what he looks like to me, where he doesn't hit any holes with power. He doesn't have that like elusiveness, that 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 burst and that speed that he had with the Rams and they're not utilizing him in the passing game at all. He had one target. One target. Like he's a great pass catcher. What are you doing that you're not getting him the ball in space? I I just I think that Atlanta is telling us all they need all we need to know with that lack of uh targets and lack of usage in the passing game. Todd Gurley is washed. So if you have him, I highly suggest selling him while you can. Um, good luck. Hopefully you can sell him after this week because the two touchdowns, maybe you can sell him high. But people are very skeptical of Ty Gurley, and I think for very good reason. So um, that's my thoughts on that. The other guy I want to talk about is Julio. And another guy I think is washed and busted is Julio. And anybody that listened to me this offseason... I thought Julio Jones was going to be the number one wide receiver this year. 
He was the guy I was most excited about from a one-year, maybe two-year standpoint. Julio Jones, I thought, was going to be resurgent, and he just does not look like he has it. And like I said at the beginning of the show, father time comes for all of us, and just like Marvin Jones, maybe he's an older wide receiver. Maybe he hit that wall. Julio, I think he hit the wall, man. He's a guy, he's a big wide receiver, uh, similar to someone like Larry Fitzgerald, who was an outside guy for his whole career. Maybe they need to put Julio in the slot and let him dominate from the slot because he's such a big guy. But right now what they're doing with him is just, it's just not working. And um, it's very depressing. Julio is someone, I, I don't know what to do with him. I don't know if you can sell him for what you want right now or if you just have to hold him. But um, yeah, Calvin Ridley had a bad game this this game. Um, Russell Gage didn't really look good. This whole Atlanta offense just looked terrible, just top to bottom. Um, I mean, Green Bay's defense just kind of like it. Green Bay just had their way with them, essentially, on both sides of the ball. So, um, yeah, go and see what is going to happen in coming weeks. Better days are ahead for this this Atlanta offense. But, um, yeah, it's just it was not exciting. But, like I said, Todd Gurley and Julio are guys that, I think I'm out on, and it hurts me to say that, especially with someone like Julio, who I was so excited about going into 2020. Um, Same with Todd Gurley. I thought both of those guys were going to be so good for Atlanta. And, yeah, I I was completely wrong about this team. Now, on the other side, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, like I said earlier, had his way. He is just having fun out there. And when Aaron Rodgers has fun, everybody has fun. So, um, Aaron Rodgers is looking like a stud. Aaron Jones is a guy that is, I was massively wrong on. I kind of came around to him at the, at the end of the off season. Um, but man, this dude is just so explosive. It's just crazy. He's by far the best, uh, running back on this team. And behind him though, this is one thing I wanted to touch on similar to, uh, the, the Lions with DeAndre Swift, the Bucks with Keyshawn Vaughn. If you're going to use a high pick on one of these guys, why are you not using them? It makes no sense to me because the Green Bay Packers took A.J. Dillon in the second round instead of a wide receiver for uh, for Aaron Rodgers. They took A.J. Dillon. And ahead of A.J. Dillon was in this game was Aaron Jones, which is understandable. Aaron Jones deserves to be ahead of A.J. Dillon, but also Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams had eight carries for 10 yards. He did not pass block to save Aaron Rodgers' life successfully at all. If you go and watch that game, he just looked terrible in pass pro. And what is he doing that A.J. Dillon couldn't do better? I I just don't get it. Like, you use the second round pick on the guy, use him. What are you doing? It's just a waste of a pick at this point. So um, we're going to see what kind of happens with that. Maybe they're just transitioning, but I don't know what Jamal Williams has on Matt LaFleur. I mean, he had eight catches in the passing game for 95 yards, but it it's similar to Ronald Jones where it physically hurts me to watch him kind of catch the ball. And like he catches it so awkwardly and then he has to like, juke guys because he turns completely like he can't catch it in stride he has to stop completely turn around 
make sure that he's completely focused on the ball to make sure that he catches it. And then he has to completely turn around again with no momentum, no steam, nothing from a full stop. It's just, I don't get what you're getting from Jamal Williams. You could get this from AJ Dillon. I know he's not the best pass catcher, but I mean, come on, man. Like what? I just don't get it. Maybe there's something that I don't see behind the scenes, but man, I just think that it's kind of a, a mistake, but um, this is nitpicky, I guess, because like I said, Green Bay did what they wanted with, with Atlanta. Um, and this is without Alan Lazard. This is without Devonte Adams. I mean, Robert Tanyan, he had, he had three touchdowns. That's not going to be a thing the whole season. Tanyan might be the number three, um, option on this team, maybe the number four behind Aaron Jones. But, uh, yeah, that's just when those two guys are back, I, I don't think that Robert Tiny is going to have sustained success. So just take that into account. Um, and then the other guy, I think uh, MVS Marquez Valdez Scantling, he's the other guy. I, I don't want him from a, a dynasty standpoint. I just don't see the upside in him long term. If you can't do it when Lazard and Adams are out, then you're just not going to be able to do it, especially against this Atlanta defense, right? So um, I'm out on M- MVS as well. So um just my two cents, but it'll be fun. I want to see this offense with Devontae Adams back. Yeah, it'll be a roller coaster of a show. So um yeah, this offense is rolling right now. Four and oh, they definitely deserve it. And then Atlanta, oh and four, they definitely deserve it. So I couldn't see a, a better depiction of two uh two team scores going into week five than these two right here. Now that is all the the games from this last week. Um, like I said, it's a little bit quicker. You know, I just got through 16 games instead of eight, you know, and about a little bit more time than the episodes previously. But um, just a couple of things to take into account going forward. Hopefully you guys like this. Let me know what your thoughts are on this kind of take of, of the breakdowns. I kind of like it a little bit more. Like I said, it's a little bit, you're covering all the games all at once. It's not every single player. It's just touching on guys here and there that I think deserve it. But, um, I think that one thing you guys need to take into account, but like I said, sorry, let me, let me know over on Twitter. Um, it's getting late here, so I'm starting to ramble a little bit. Um, it's been a long week, like I said, with all the house stuff and the work and everything, but, um, let me know over on Twitter what your guys thoughts are, but in the next couple weeks, things that you guys need to, to take into account. And I just want to point this out for you, but, um, just make sure you're paying attention to it. Like I said, follow the fundamentals of Dynasty. Make sure you're watching the waivers. Make sure you're watching trades, looking at the opponents and the other teams and and uh, utilizing some of those old school tricks of, okay, I'm not playing Team X in Week 5. I'm playing them in, teams in Week 6. If I can trade them for their best player and give them a guy that's on a buy because buys are now starting to roll in in Week 5, technically in week four with uh with Pittsburgh and Tennessee with the COVID, but um real buys are were scheduled for week five. We're into those now. But utilizing those tricks of okay, I'm gonna give them uh AJ Brown who's on buy in week six. He's not, I know, I just said Tennessee, I don't know who's week six buy are. But um if you can give them a player that's on buy in week six when you play them and you can get a player that's not on buy in week six like utilizing some of these old school techniques and trade tips and tricks, right? Using the fundamentals of fantasy and dynasty 
and making sure you're checking the waivers, who's being dropped by your opponents, how much fab people have, adding people that you think are worth it, um, and really just kind of making sure you're paying attention to the bye weeks and who you're going to play in each bye week. You know, Don't just look at your matchup that Sleeper tells you for week five. Go look at week six. Go look at week seven and say, ooh, this is kind of problematic. This guy has a bunch of studs and I have a lot of guys on bye. Okay, if I lose that week, maybe I kind of just lean into that and I kind of move a guy that is not going to be on bye in week seven and just kind of accept my fate for that week, but try and improve my my roster for weeks eight, nine, 10, 11, right? So just using some of these tips and tricks and staying engaged, even if you're 0-4 right now, like I said, you can go 4-0. You can go 8-0 to finish the season, 9-0 to finish the season. So just don't give up. Stay with it. Buys are starting to roll in. This is where a good dynasty manager can really set themselves apart from their competition. If you utilize this and you make sure you follow these tips and tricks and you kind of stay engaged, you can really kind of set yourself apart from your league mates and really kind of just edge your way to victory. And once you get into into playoffs, it's a 50-50 every single week, you know. Um, we're all going to be in that boat together, but all you got to do is get that chance. And then once you're in playoffs, you have a shot. Once you're in playoffs, everybody has a shot. Even if you have a terrible team, all you got to do is make it to playoffs and then you have a shot. Even if you luck your way into three straight wins, you have a shot. So don't give up. I know it's tough. Like I said earlier, right now it kind of feels like everything is going to be this way forever, but it's not. Things are going to change. Um, thank you guys for listening, coming back this week and and checking out the pod Hopefully you guys made it this far. I'm glad to be back after taking last week off. I really missed this. Um, I don't know if I'll have another episode this week or if I'll just kind of go to one episode a week, uh, kind of continuing my trend. I, I didn't really like the two because they were so long with the the recaps, but um, hopefully you guys like this, this new format for it. Let me know one more time. Twitter, DTC underscore Calvin on the the Dynasty After Dark Facebook page. I really appreciate you guys. Let me know if you guys have any questions or if I can help you guys anyway. Over on Twitter is the main place to find me. Um, I'm not a big Instagram guy. I don't really understand it. And to be honest, with all the time that it takes for, with it not being text, it's hard to get like pictures and videos and all that stuff. Like I said, I got a lot of stuff going on. But um, yeah, it's just tough for me to be an Instagrammer right now. But Hopefully in the future, I will be paying more attention to that. So don't take it as I, I completely hate the system. It's just, yeah, learning a new thing while I got so much going on. It's just tough. But again, thank you guys so much. Hopefully you made it this far. I appreciate you guys. You guys are the best. Um, hopefully you guys have good week in week five. Set your waivers. I know mine are running tonight. So hopefully I get the guys that I'm looking for. Not saying who those are, but... Make sure you're checking who is being dropped tomorrow. If you have weekly waivers or if you have daily waivers, checking every day to see who's dropped. It's easy. It's harder. It's easier said than done, right? But just follow through with it and good things will come. So, all right. Last time. Thank you guys. I appreciate you. Hope you guys have a good week in week five. Good luck in your league and good night.